You're listening to 88.9 WDBM Impact Sports. This is Horsepower. Cameron Billis alongside me, like always, my good friend Colin Jackson. Colin, it is Halloween week. October is almost done. The thing that's on everyone's mind is what are you going as for Halloween? What are you dressing up as for Halloween? All right, so it's still a 50-50 shot as of right now. Here is the inside scoop. Sources say you may see me as Token walking around town. Or you may see me as Julius Caesar, both a little bit of a twist. Up right. in the air, but we'll find out. Okay. Like Token, the South Park character? Yes, sir. Okay. All right. All right. South Park, good show. Big fan of the show. Uh, sources say that I have a few different costumes potentially lined up, including uh, my most creative kind of my artsy costume that I just put scraps together for as compared to spending money actually buying something is a master's champion. I got a green jacket, got a little master's patch, got a master's hat from when I went to the masters a few years ago. So that's probably my, my best costume. So look, look, uh, if you see me, see me out in the streets during Halloween, look out for that. So I'm sorry, yell McElroy. Yeah, yeah. 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 So now getting into the news, you actually care about the NBA regular season has finally started. The Pistons are a game underway. They lost the Denver Nuggets Wednesday night. Uh, with they were without Greg Monroe, who suspended two games for his DUI incident earlier in the year. But real quick, in order to get their roster ready, they needed to cut one more player. And the last player cut to get the roster down to 15 was Aaron Gray, who was released due to his heart-related issues. The Pistons earlier... In the preseason, traded for Joel Anthony from the Boston Celtics in exchange for Will Bynum. That move was done, in essence, because Gray was not going to be available anytime soon, and the Pistons really needed a backup center, especially with Greg Monroe out. So, you know, it's sad to see someone not make a roster due to an injury, especially such a freak injury like a heart-related issue. But, you know, from what I've read... They, the Pistons are offering him the chance to stay with the organization more on the management side of things, I believe. And, you know, I wish him the best, a speedy recovery, and hopefully, hopefully his career in the NBA is not done. Oh, indeed. Uh, you just hate to see something like this happen, but, of course, you don't want to also see something much worse. Uh, seeing We've seen too many people drop down on the court after scoring the game-winning shot. It would hate to have something like that happen, especially at the professional level with so many people watching this. Uh, and it's a good human interest story, just that the Pistons gave him the chance to stick around in Detroit in the Palace. It's a sign of goodwill, and I like stories like this. I mean, it's not the best it could work out, but it helped. And they still have Joel Anthony, as you said. Not the best shooter around, but he's a backup to Andre Drummond, who hopefully will be healthy, knock on wood. Yeah, well, hopefully he'll be healthy. He's a big-time shot blocker, just does a lot of gritty things that teams can thrive off of. And, you know, he'll definitely add something to this team. He played over 20 minutes last night. I believe it was around 22. So... He's not just some guy who's going to sit on the end of the bench every night. Yes, Greg Monroe was not able to play, so Anthony's minutes will probably decline uh, when Monroe gets back. But he'll have a role with this team, and he'll be a great mentor to Drummond. As their game style is very similar, Drummond's just a bit more athletic and a bit more naturally talented. Exactly, and I do see that this relationship being beneficial. I just 
as you said, Drummond, they still have Drummond, who we play most of the game, hopefully. Uh, Joel Anthony will come in, but with Great Moreau coming back after the next game, uh, we'll see what his minute, what happens with his minutes. But for now, they're managing. Now let's get into more of the game stats from Wednesday night against the Nuggets. The Pistons lost the season opener 89-79. to It was close throughout most of the game until the end when Denver kind of broke away. Let's go through some of the star players for Detroit. Josh Smith scored 25 points and grabbed five rebounds. But on not as bright of a note, he was 9 from 22 shooting the ball, which that is something left to be admired. Yeah, and what I just don't get is the most telling stat from his whole night to me was, well, not just the 9 from 22, the 0 for 3 from beyond the arc. That was something that we've seen countless articles about. Josh Smith needs to stop shooting threes. Uh, we've we've heard, saw stories about... Oh, Van Gundy talks to Smith about taking smarter shot selection. The 0 for 3, yeah, it could be 0 for 8, 0 for 10, whatever. He needs to stop shooting threes. So three sh- three shots, three misses is too many for me. You know what? Sometimes, and honestly, I don't think three is that many. I, I think if Josh Smith were only to take two to three three-pointers per game, I could live with it depending on when he takes the shot, you know, I didn't see every three-point shot that he took, but my guess would be at least one of those came at the end of a shot clock, in which case you have to shoot the ball, no matter who has it. So in a situation like that, you can't fault him because clearly your offense didn't get something else going to produce a better shot. Now, on the other hand, like you said, he needs to improve his shot selection. That's vital. And I think Stan Van Gundy will help him improve that. I don't think Smith will be able to shoot the ball 22 times per game as the season progresses, or else he's going to end up on the bench sitting next to Stan. Now, Greg Monroe, when he comes back, he'll take some of those shots away. When Jody Meeks comes back, he'll take some of those shots away. So at this point, the Pistons are are down on their roster. They don't have all their pieces, uh, other chips in a row, I guess you could say. So, you know, Smith is a guy who has shown glimpses of being an elite NBA player, but he's never really put it together all at once, except for maybe a season or two. But at this point of his career, he's not at his highest level. And, you know, maybe that's the point he's trying to get back to. Maybe that's a point Van Gundy wants to emphasize to him. You know, I mean, Andre Drummond last night played less than 30 minutes, scored 11 points and nine rebounds. He had a great preseason. I would expect more from Drummond. And I would too. And the other person I was, uh, Drummond, he had a decent night, I guess. But yeah, coming off of playing for Team USA, uh, especially, like you said, the great preseason, I would expect more from him. And I was hoping for a little bit more from KCP, Contavious Caldwell Pope, uh, playing for 36 minutes, three for 19. Uh, I'm not good at math off the top of my head, so I can't do the division. But that doesn't sound that much better than uh, Josh Smith. And this is a kid that you saw rule the summer league, and you would have expected him to come back, come out, opener, and do better than this. Yeah, three for 19, one from eight from beyond the arc. And Pope is arguably one of the Pistons' best three-point shooters on this roster. Now, that's something Detroit has struggled with the past couple of years. But, you know, one from eight from beyond the arc is not acceptable at all. And, you know, he's a young kid. His shot selection will improve. No way is he going to continue to take 19 shots per game. It just can't happen. But 
you know, I mean, and let's take a look at something else real quick. Brandon Jennings started at the point guard position, but played nine minutes less than DJ Augustine, who came in off the bench and played 28 minutes. Brandon Jennings sat the whole fourth quarter. Also interestingly in the starting lineup, Kyle Singler started at the small forward position over Karam Butler and got seven extra minutes. And Karam Butler had one of the worst nights of his career last night, not scoring a single point. And you just got to wonder, I know it's the first game of the season, you got to keep this all in perspective. It's jittery, people are coming out with a new coach, a lot of weight on the organization, they're playing on the road. But you kind of got to wonder what's going on with Detroit. Why are these players coming to Detroit and having the worst season of their career? Granted, it's way too early. It's just ridiculous to say that's what's going to happen now. But it's not a good start for people like Karan Butler or Kentavious Caldwell-Pope. No, and, you know, I think Van Gundy is still getting back in the flow of things. Keep in mind, he hasn't coached in a few years. This was his first real game in, uh, what, two years? Since, I don't remember the exact date, but, you know, it's not like he's that fresh coming out of the gate. So, He's getting back into the swing of things. I know that he talked about what the team did really well in the preseason, which they had a great preseason, was their ball movement was fantastic. Their ball movement during this game was was not good. as They only got a combined 15 assists. They had 15 turnovers, too. That's not a very good ratio. Exactly, and that's when it really comes down to it, the turnovers and assists. like That's how you win the game. Yeah, you can make a shot. Yeah, you can miss a shot. This matters. Or they're... They got the 45 rebounds in there, I guess. But it's just a matter of getting the smarter person to take the shot. Figure who on the court should be making these, should be taking these jumpers and actually making these jumpers. It's execution right now. And I guess what I see is this is a learning game. Uh, you, there's a saying you learn more from your losses than you do from your wins. This, these are the moments of weakness we can really see. Well, we struggled hard from beyond the arc today. Our regular field goal shooting wasn't that much better. Uh, assist, we need better ball movement. Don't forget what we worked on this summer. Uh, let's not waste all that earlier this fall. So these are the games, I guess, hopefully next week or uh, tonight even, they can come back and just do better, really. That's all is left to say. Now, I want to bring up Kenneth Fareed real quick. Let's talk about his stats first and then his comments after. Fareed last night scored, or Wednesday night, scored 22 points and grabbed 17 rebounds. That is a monster game. Fareed was on the USA team at the FIBA World Cup Championships. He just signed an extension with Denver. You know, guy coming out of, I mean, people really saw him in the college tournament, the March Madness, and then he came onto the scene and was drafted in the first round by the Nuggets, and he's had a terrific career. The guy just knows how to rebound and fight for the basketball. Now, after the game, he made a comment to the media saying that Josh Smith single-handedly shot Detroit out of the game. You know, shots fired. I mean, that's, those, that's a bold statement to individually call out a player on another team and say that he's the reason they lost. Yeah, and that's just harsh. If you're Josh Smith, you are not taking this well. I just don't see how you can just brush this off. Yeah, you're a season pro. You get criticized all the time. But things like this sting, especially from the new guy coming out, that just trounced you. And this was after everyone in Detroit was off with Josh Smith's head, uh, sent him somewhere else. And he's still here, and he still needs to prove something, and now after the very first game you're already getting called out, it's the same story as last season all over again, just much sooner. And this isn't what you want to hear. Now, like you said, it's only the first game of the season. 
we're probably overreacting, but hey, that's what the media is supposed to do. Now, let's talk about Brandon Jennings really quick. He played only 20 minutes in this game, like I said, 9 minutes less than DJ Augustine, who came off the bench for Detroit. Jennings sat the entire fourth quarter. Do you think this is going to be a trend moving forward that Jennings starts the game but can't finish? Because, you know, obviously Augustine had played a pretty good game last night. He scored 15 points, had three assists. But from a natural talent perspective, I think I like Jennings in the game more than I like Augustine. Well, the facts, the stats as I see that stand out to me, like I said, he has uh, Augustine out-rebounded Jennings, he out-assisted Jennings, and he outscored Jennings. And that's what you really need from a scorer. So I do, I think Brandon Jennings does have the bigger potential. He's more athletic. But if DJ Augustine comes off the bench and has the production you need and has the fire to start the team up again, I say do it. All right, now moving on to the Pistons' upcoming schedule, let's take a look at some of the teams they'll be going against. First off, they'll be facing the Minnesota Timberwolves on th- excuse me, Thursday, October 30th. T- different team this year, different complexion to the Minnesota Timberwolves. Everyone thought the past couple of years that they were an up-and-coming team, that you know every year it was going to be the year that they finally made the playoffs, but they weren't able to get over the hump with Kevin Love and Ricky Rubio. Now, as you know, Kevin Love is gone. He packed his bags and met up with LeBron James and Kyrie Irving in Cleveland. Now it's a team that's really young, has a lot of potential, but this probably isn't their year. They're led by Ricky Rubio. Now they have Andrew Wiggins, uh, Anthony Bennett, the previous year's first overall pick, who really struggled in Cleveland, but you know he's only in his second year in the league, still has potential. They have guys like Kevin Martin. So, you know, interesting complexion to that team. I'd say it's a very winnable game for Detroit, but moving on from Denver, Colin, what do you think Detroit needs to do? What do they need to improve upon to make sure they lock up this victory? Just the fundamentals, like back to the basics, really. Rebounds, don't forget those. Don't let up on the ball movement. Take smarter shots. That's really what it comes down to. Detroit struggled with shooting last year. They struggled with shooting before last year. Just smarter shots, that's it. Well, it's not that. It's not. It's not. If everything was that simple, I guess uh, everyone would be world champions right now. But that's a huge part of the game that needs to be fixed. And just keep the game going. Keep the momentum up. Keep fighting for it. Well, I'll tell you what. One thing I really liked about the Denver game, looking back now at the box score, Denver's a fast break team, an up and down team that likes to just get a ton of offensive opportunities. To limit them to only 89 points, I think, says a lot about the defensive effort that Detroit had last night. And that's something that Van Gundy and the team can definitely be happy moving forward with. You know, the T-Wolves, they have not had much time to build their chemistry together with a lot of young guys coming in like Wiggins and Glenn Robinson the third and Anthony Bennett and some of their other uh, draft picks this year. So they will be rusty, would be my, my prediction. Their offensive sets won't be as good as they can be. Detroit, I think, has somewhat of an, of an advantage there as, you know, Minnesota also has a new head coach, Rick Edelman, retired. Van Gundy, I think, you know, obviously I like his coaching edge there. Detroit, their core players have been together for about a year and a half now. So, you know, Detroit should win this game. Uh, you know, it shouldn't really be that close. Detroit should win by at least eight points, which in my mind isn't, I mean, it's close. It's definitely a game that could go either way, but eight points in my mind is a solid victory. So I definitely think the Pistons should take home the W in this one. 
Yeah, and I do too. And just looking back at the Nuggets score like you did, uh, they were only down by two points going into the fourth quarter, so that's really when it was lost. So if the Pistons can keep it up, even take the lead going into the fourth quarter, I don't see that really being a, a struggle for them. Uh, just up against Rick, uh, Andrew Wiggins, uh, Ricky Rubio, Thaddeus Young. Yeah, that I guess can be a little intimidating. It's pretty young to me, I guess. So I'm not too worried about Detroit, especially when they're adjusting to playing without Kevin Love. Yeah, and you know sometimes you get into these situations where you play these young teams, and they have the mindset where you know they're almost too ignorant to realize what they're doing wrong. Mm-hmm. Making a transition to baseball, I'd say that's what was happening with the Kansas City Royals this year. They had never been there before, so they didn't really they didn't know what to expect. No one was expecting them to win it all. No one was expecting them to make the World Series. It was more just like they're doing their thing. They're it's working. Why stop? You know, they might lo- lose a game. They're, they might have lost a game. But the next day, they'd come back and just go back to what they were doing, and it worked. Obviously, they didn't win at all, but they came as close as they possibly could have. And, you know, I, I I don't think the T-Wolves will have that type of situation, but it's those young and inexperienced teams like that where sometimes they just say, what the heck, and just play their game. Exactly, and that sometimes can be dangerous a little bit, especially for an opposing team when the team you're playing, they're just playing their game, they're doing them, and if they do it well, they could do it well. But as far as what I've seen so far, and this early in the season, it remains to be seen, and I do believe that Detroit can definitely win this game, as you said earlier, and uh, we'll see what happens with Minnesota. That should be an interesting story to see how they uh, come back. But I'm still pro-Detroit pro Detroit on this one. Yeah, I agree. I definitely think the Pistons will move to 1 and 1 after that one. Now, let's move on to their home opener on Saturday night, November 1st against the new or the are they the Brooklyn Nets? They are the Brooklyn Nets. Brooklyn Nets. Jeez. Um, no longer Jay-Z affiliated though, so it's hard to it's hard to remember the Brooklyn part. Uh so the Nets now have a new head coach as well. They're led by Lionel Hollins who set out last season after being let go by the Memphis Grizzlies after making the conference finals. That was an interesting coaching decision. But Lionel Hollins is the new man in charge after Jason Kidd went to the Milwaukee Bucks. They no longer have Paul Pierce. However, they did get Brooke Lopez back after he was out most of last season with an injury. You know, Colin, the Nets are a talented team on paper, but they've gone through spurts of underachieving. I think they're one of the hardest teams to predict in the league. And this could really go any amount of ways to me. Uh, right now they're 0-1. Uh, we'll see what happens in the next game. But as far as on the Pistons side goes, uh, yeah, they have a lot of talent like Deron Williams to come to fight against, but they also get great Monroe back, and that should be a huge boon to their offense. And especially, uh, well, this is where we really get to see what, see what type of lineup Stan Van uh, goes with too. Is he going to try and play Josh Smith, uh, Andre Drummond, Greg Monroe at once? Is he going to try and bench Smith? He's going to try and bench Monroe. And that's really what I'm curious to see. As far as Brooklyn goes, uh, we'll see what happens with Brooklyn. I honestly can't predict this one. My crystal ball is getting a little bit cloudy. Well, I'll ask you this, and then maybe this will help impact your decision. First Pistons game of the year at home. You think the fans show their support? The Pistons have been a team that have struggled. I mean, that goes that's, that's fairly obvious at this point. They've struggled the last few years. They've struggled to sell out. They used to be one of the hottest tickets in town when Chauncey Billups was leading the charge. 
with Van Gundy now in charge and, you know, kind of just a new atmosphere and culture, what do you think attendance is like Saturday night? I think we'll see the Palace packed at least once this season, at least once. And I feel like if it was going to be any time, Saturday is just as good as ever. Wow. All right. Yeah, I mean, people. Always, I'm tired of people talking about how Cleveland fans are the best fans in sports. They're, they've been oh, uh, who said that historical bat. My friend from Cleveland, that's who oh, said that. Well. Talking about uh, people filling up Brown stadiums, uh, people still uh, rooting for the Cavs even after LeBron left. There's that new Nike commercial. No, I want people to recognize Detroit sports, Detroit fans, and I want to see them fill this palace. And I know that might be a little bit ambitious, especially for a team coming up a loss. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen. Uh, hopefully, they're going to be a 500 team by then. But the new uh, atmosphere, new just general management, I feel like Detroit fans can at least try and get behind this. And there's been a ton of promotions, too, for this game. Yeah, and you know, I want, I want to talk to you about Detroit sports fans for a second here. I think Detroit fans are, excuse me, I think Detroit sports fans are some of the best in the country, you know? The Lions have been horrible for a long time, just like the Cleveland Browns have. Lions still sell out. You have so, so much. I mean, if you listen to a Lions postgame show, there's so much fan, you know, I don't want to say hatred, but just fan bashing towards the team, which on one hand isn't good, but it shows that they care. And I think. Detroit fans want the Lions to be so successful that, you know, they're just not willing to invest their time in something else. They've invested so much time in watching Lions football that they're just going to keep doing it because, you know, once they finally get good, it has to happen. The Lions, it, this could be the year that the Lions finally make the playoffs once or and actually do something valuable with their season. Once the Lions finally get good, if you're not there investing your time, that's even more time that you wasted because you spent all those years watching them lose, and now that they're finally winning, you're not invested? I, I don't know. I, I, I think Detroit sports fans are great. You know, They give their players a hard time, not just Lions players, but Tigers players. You oh, know? yeah. The Pitching Tigers, staff. yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, being a Lions quarterback, a Red Wings goalie, and a Tigers closer, those are probably the three toughest positions in Detroit sports right now. I would say a Lions kicker. That's a good one, too. But... You know, and again, I think all this bashing and is because the fans really care and they want their city to succeed because they know that it'll make a difference financially. They want the city of Detroit to improve and not just be a place known as an unsafe area. Really, though, and I feel like this year, especially in professional sports, this season, uh, we've already talked about how the Lions have been doing pretty well. The Tigers, they had their shot. They ruined it for the same reason that they lost it last year. Uh, the Pistons, though, and this could be the Pistons' time, too. We'll see. But as far as, like, I'm seeing these underdog cities, these underestimated cities, I hate to go back to Cleveland, but LeBron's back in Cleveland. Uh, Kev Love's there. Uh, you see the, even the Browns are doing better. So why can't the Cavs do better? Why can't the Pistons do better? And I'm sure the fans are going to support the Pistons. They may not always be there, but they're tuning in at home. They're watching on the television. They're still buying the Pistons jerseys. I see people walking around all the time wearing Andre Drummond stuff. Uh, maybe even some will start buying Josh Smith stuff. We won't know, <laughs> but I feel like the Pans are going to be behind the team. All right, well, moving on to the Pistons' second game at home. They face off against the New York Knicks. Now led by Derek Fisher, 
interestingly enough. First-time head coach, he was hired under Phil Jackson, who is now the president of basketball operations for New York. So Fisher's going to run that triangle offense, that Phil Jackson patented triangle offense. This will be the Pistons' first matchup against a real superstar, and I'm talking about Carmelo Anthony. Who do you think should guard him? And, you know, I think this is a really interesting game because the Pistons last year struggled guarding stars, and I want to see if Van Gundy installed a good enough defense to shut down stars. I would say Josh Smith should guard him just because Josh Smith is one of the best defenders on the team. Uh, Melo, he's one of the best all-time scorers in the league, but he also has a great propensity to miss shots. So they have a little bit of similarity in the gameplay there. But uh, I feel like Josh Smith is definitely the best the best match right now I see uh, to guard Carmelo coming out the gun. Yeah, and that, that it'll be interesting to watch what type of lineup Detroit goes with there and what type of lineup the Knicks go with because Melo the past few years has spent a lot of time at the four spot, even though he's a natural three, where Josh Smith has spent time at the three spot where he's more of a four. Now, like you said, I think Josh Smith is the guy to guard Carmelo, but if you have Melo at the three, then do you put Josh Smith at the three, uh, Monroe at the four, and Drummond at the five and go big, which is a lineup that Van Gundy said he's not sure he's 100% comfortable with? Or do you have someone playing the three in a mismatch situation guarding a four? I'm not even sure about that one, though. Like, I feel like you need to go with your, with your com- I Excuse me. I feel like you need to go with what you're comfortable with at this point. So if all the big men are in uh, playing the positions they're not comfortable with, I don't think that's the best part. Granted, uh, what I saw from the Knicks playing against the Bulls last night, that was not the team I expected the Knicks to come out as. So if I was Stan Van Gundy, I would be feel a little bit at home. Uh, they lost to the Bulls 104-80, to which is miles worse than what Detroit did. But I feel like you just need to keep your players comfortable, keep them aware of Josh Smith's dangerousness, or not Josh Smith, Carmelo Anthony's dangerousness, and play them in the right position and use your roster well. Well, the Bulls are also one of the best teams defensively in the league, if not the best defensive team in the league. So that's kind of a tough comparison. But I think you are able to shut Melo down. How do you shut him down? You make him take bad shots. Because he's going to shoot the ball 20 times, guaranteed. Now, he can, you know, take open shots the whole time, maybe get some free throws in by taking it to the rack and drawing drawing fouls. But, you know, Josh Smith had a, knows how to take stupid shots. Hopefully he knows how to force his opponent into taking stupid shots. But that's definitely the matchup I'd keep an eye on for that one. Uh, let's go back to the Nets game real quick. I don't think we got a prediction out of you. Do a Nets prediction, then a Knicks prediction, and well, then we'll wrap it up. All right, so for the Nets, I'm seeing Detroit coming on top, 96-88. to 88. Oh, you're even giving me a score. I didn't need giving the score. eight-point game. All right. I'm feeling that good about this right okay. now. My confidence is back up. I got the adrenaline going. <laughs> uh, Detroit versus the Knicks. I'm not going to give you a score. I'm going to give you a prediction. Okay. And... This isn't going to be like a medium loss, like, eh, they fought hard, they're going to lose, blah, blah, blah. I still see Detroit coming out on top, but this is either going to be neck and neck going to overtime, or this is going to be a blowout. 
I see it going those two ways. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But that's really what I see based on, uh, well, like you said, I the D- Chicago Bulls are a great defensive team. But just based on what I saw with the Knicks uh, playing last night, I think Detroit has the power to blow out the Knicks. All right, well, for me against the Nets, I think they'll definitely present a much closer game than what the Knicks will. Two things to keep an eye on is... Darren Williams, he had a down year last year, but he has the potential to be one of the best point guards in the league. If you can kind of s- slow his role and you know make other people beat you, I think you have a good chance to win that game. So I'm going to say Detroit pulls out the home opener to move to 2-1, and one, and then I think Detroit beats the Knicks by tw- 10, 12. I think, I think Detroit definitely is good enough to win that game. Unless Carmelo just has one of the best games of his career. But again, in that case too, you need someone else to beat you. You can't let Carmelo, or in the Nets case, Darren Williams be the guy to beat you. That's that's what separates the good teams from the bad teams. Every team's going to lose. It's No team's going to win them all. Every team's going to lose 50, I mean, 20 games, 15 to 20 games. So, you know, and you like you said, you build off losses more than you build off victories. But in those games that you lose, if you're a head coach, you don't want to see guys like Carmelo Anthony and Darren Williams scoring 35 points and that just sinking your team because nothing good's going to come of that. And that's how you kill a season when the season just starts. And you don't want that happening if you're uh, Stan Van Gundy in Detroit this season. This is a, I'm not going to say must-win season because people are going to be understanding that you're a new program, new people, but this is a season you need to show you're worth something at least. All right, well, you're listening to 88.9 WDBM Impact Sports. This is Horsepower, Cameron Billis, alongside me like always, Colin Jackson. Enjoy your Halloween, be safe, and for all MSU and Detroit sports news, check out impact89fm.org backslash sports. Thanks for listening. Sparty on.